man, if we just had something, something that could help us understand how to do life. Like an owner's manual, like a, I don't know, a Bible. <laughs> I just, I love that. I've watched that numerous times because he's so sincere, isn't he? Man, if we only had something that could give us the understanding about our life. Now, I'm not sure how good owner's manuals are for cars because I'm still working on my car trying to figure out what my car is, why my car is the way it is. But God's given us the Bible. In fact, the Bible has been what societies have used throughout the centuries, using the prints of the Bible to give us the peace and the uh, order and, and the purpose that we have. In fact, in fact, Western society, we have what we have today because of the Bible and the principles that come out of the Bible. And it makes sense because this is God's design for life. And when you do life God's way, then things work out the way God says they're going to work out. Now, we haven't done it perfectly. It's selfish, sinful humans, right, that are implementing these things. So we haven't done it right. But whenever it is tried and whenever it is used, there is a sense of, of peace. There is a sense of purpose. And it's why those today in our society who are trying to tear down who men are, who women are, what the family is, or what uh, marriage is supposed to be, they're attacking the very foundation of our lives. Now, the, the politics, the, the pol politicians and the, the talking heads, they'd say, the conservative ones especially, are, they're saying, well, they're, they're attacking Western civilization. No, it goes deeper than that. Yes, it's attacking Western civilization, but it's attacking the foundation of it, which is God's Word. See, this is a, a spiritual battle. This is something that started back in Genesis chapter 3 when Satan began to try and tear down what God had created. He started with Adam and Eve. He's trying to turn people away from who he is. He's trying to turn people away from the relationship that he's offering them, the, the purpose and the peace and the contentment that he brings into someone's life. Now again, it's, uh, every week I'm going to probably remind you of this, that this is not ammo. The information that we're sharing, the stuff I'm going through, is not so you guys can lock and load or I can lock and load on the people in our lives who are struggling with this stuff. We have to understand that people in society who are struggling with these issues, they're struggling at a heart level. They are in pain. They are hurting. They're, they're confused. They don't understand. They, they don't know who God is. And sometimes they're even blaming God because they don't know who He is. And so they're destroying their lives. They're destroying their relationships. And they need somebody to come in and give them what God wants for them. And that's a relationship with Him. And then He can get into their lives and He can begin to heal them and to change them and give them understanding. That's what we, who are followers of Jesus Christ, that's our responsibility. Not to lock and load on people and try to win a debate. And so today we're going to be talking about men and women. Uh, the other two campuses, they did men last week and women this week, and I'm trying to combine them this week. So we'll be here for uh, quite a long time. But we're going to talk about men and women because the social influencers of society have men and women so confused that they think 
that if a, a man becomes a woman or a woman becomes a man, that's going to solve it. That makes no sense. But that's man's logic. Human logic makes no sense. Men are toxic to society. Unless, of course, a man wants to become a woman or a woman wants to become a man, then that's okay. Then men are just awesome. The problem is it only brings more confusion because the change they try to make doesn't solve it. And then they try to figure out why isn't it solving it. And so there's more confusion, there's more pain, there's more trauma, there's more broken lives and relationships. As we talked about last week, we, we have to make a choice. You have to make a choice and I have to make a choice. We all do. Whether you're a follower of Jesus Christ or not a follower of Jesus Christ, you have to make a choice. And so the first one is this, who's in charge? Is God in charge of your life? Or are you in charge with your, of your life? And we talked about evolution and how evolution says that you're in charge of your life. And even if you don't believe in evolution, most people live as if they're in charge of your life. But you have to make a choice. You can't ride a fence. And once you make the choice and you say, well, I, 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 I want to do it God's way, then you have to ask the question, does he really mean what he says? Because what God says about how we're to be men, how we're to be women, how we're supposed to have our families and, and how we're supposed to have marriage and, and even more stuff than that, it goes completely opposite of the way society thinks. And so we have to, does this really mean it? So I, I want to do a little test here. Do not answer out loud. It never goes well if you answer out loud. We've had those days, remember? I'll ask a question, someone answers it, and they're completely wrong. And then they're like, mm-hmm. they want to crawl under a chair, and we have to pull them out after the service, and it's just not good. So I'm just going to ask you a couple questions, or make a, a couple statements. Men, your primary purpose is to be spiritual leaders. So don't answer. Men, how does that sit with you? Women, how does that sit with you? That men's primary purpose is to be a spiritual leader. How about this one? Women, your primary uh, purpose is to be a spiritual encourager. Women, how does that hit you? Men, what do you think of that? Because I'll guarantee you there are some in this room, and maybe more than some, who go, well, you don't know my husband, or you don't know my wife, or I've seen men, they're not spiritual leaders, or I've seen women, and they're not spiritual encouragers. And we roll our eyes, and we'll be like, does God really mean it? Does God really say that? And yes, he does. As we learned last week, God is in charge. He is the designer and creator. Therefore, he is the one who has the authority over this world and over our lives. Listen, no matter which way you go in life, if you want to be the authority of your life or you want God to be the authority, someone's going to be the authority over your life. And and really, there needs to be, because there needs to be somebody who brings order, who brings purpose to that. And so we like authority in one sense. I mean, traffic laws. The law is the authority when it comes to traffic laws. We like traffic laws, right? Ultimately. I mean, we would want... Who said no? Don't no, Don't want to know. You're answering out loud. And here we go again. Yeah, yeah. We like traffic laws. We like driving down the road knowing that the person coming at us is going to stay in their lane and not think they're in England. Right? Uh, we, we like the fact that when there's a red light, there's a red light, people are stopped, and a green light, people get to go. 
We don't like it when we're sitting at a, in the right turn lane at a red light. When there's no traffic coming, you can turn right and they don't turn right. Because they can. I'm telling them. The law says it's okay. <clears throat> I don't have a horn, so I've got to yell. Um, no, I don't do that. Sports. We love the fact that sports have rules. You're watching football today, and imagine if everybody on the field did whatever they wanted to do. How much fun would that be? I mean, for a while it would be kind of fun. You know, see people running around, running into each other, whatever. But it wouldn't be fun. It's not fun to play. It's not safe. Authority gives us safety, gives us um, some sense of enjoyment. I used to play Monopoly with my older brothers. My, one of my brothers was in last night with his family. They're on the way to Pennsylvania. And, and so I thought about it this morning. So we used to play Monopoly, Monopoly. And I lost every time. Because I didn't realize that what they were doing is they were putting money under the board. They never ran out of money because the one banker was giving it. It was like, you know, it was uh, crony capitalism. He was giving them all the money and I wouldn't get any and I would lose. That's not fun. So God is the authority whether people want to admit it or not. If I were to come over to your house and spend some time with you, you know, like a week, and uh, we're hanging out, and I start telling you how you should do your marriage, or I should, this is kind of a bad illustration because as a pastor, I kind, of, I kind of do that. But anyways, but if I'm in your house, and I'm telling you how you should do that, your marriage or family, or how you should clean your dishes, or how you should clean your house, or you know, all that kind of stuff, you'd be like, hey, pastor, you're a nice guy and everything, but can you leave? Or if you came to my house, and you were trying to tell me how to do stuff around our house, I would be like, hey, you know, I love you, thanks for coming over. I have an appointment. Can you leave? Because we don't want people coming into our house and telling us how to do things. It's our house. We get to decide what we want to do in our homes. Society is coming into God's house because this world, creation, is God's house. And society is coming in and saying, you know, God, you're wrong in how life is supposed to be lived. You're doing it wrong. Let us show you how to do it right if you want to know what a nation that where everybody thinks the way they think and they will do whatever they want to do, just read in the Old Testament the book of Judges, which is about Israel, where everyone did right was what was in their own minds. Everything they did, they thought they were the right one. They didn't have to listen to God. And it completely messed up their nation. And by the way, just a side note, because again, I don't want to just, I want, I want this to be ammo. I want this also to impact us. Every time... We come up against a decision where God says do this and we want to do this and we choose to do what we want. We're doing the exact same thing. We're telling God, hey, I know this is your house, but I know better than you how my life is supposed to be lived. So as the authority, what is God's design? Now, I'm not going to get real technical here, okay? I'm not a very technical person, so I'm not going to get technical. There is only one or only men and women God created Adam, and he created Eve from Adam. And so men have certain uh, biological, physical, emotional attributes given to us by God for his purposes. Women, they have different biological, physical, emotional attributes given by God for his purpose. That is... In fact, somebody said last week, I've said, they're like, I'm surprised uh, Facebook 
didn't kick us off for the stuff that you were saying. Because what I'm going to be saying is what God's Word says, but it's contrary to society, and they could even censor us. Uh, listen, I get it that there are some people, uh, some men who think there should be women, and some women who think they should be boys, but over the centuries, this is what we call gender dysphoria. And it happens at a very small percentage of society, 0.01%. It typically happens in boys from two to four years old. Boys who are just trying to figure out what life's all about. And what used to be where the parents would be like, no, you're not, and so let's talk through it. And so 70% of them would actually grow out of it by the time they got into you know, elementary school and all that kind of stuff. Today, we have society saying, no, it's good. No, search that out. It's called affirmative care. They affirm the child, even at that young age. There's also a small number of people who are intersex. And that means that they're born with both male and female reproductive organs. And it could either be 0.02% all the way up to 1.7%. It all depends on where they are in the spectrum because it could be partially developed, it could be fully developed. And in the past, the parents usually then chose for the child what they should be, depending on all that, talking with the doctor and all that kind of thing. But it's a very small percentage of people. So what's going on in our world where junior hires, senior hires, college age, adults, men want to become women, women want to become men. What's going on there? Now, we did a series called Redacted a year or two ago, and so you can go look at that where I kind of express this in a little more in-depth, but I'm just going to... Um, just going to summarize it. What's happening there, at its very core, is that somebody, the male or the female, are feeling like, are thinking that the gender they had, or the sex they had, which I know there's supposed to be a difference, but there isn't, that what they had at birth was wrong. It's a thought. It's a perception, it's a, a feeling that this is wrong. That feeling, that thought, is usually brought on by something traumatic. There's something that's happened in that person's life where they think, if I become the other gender, then that thing won't happen to me. If you do the research and you start talking and you start reading up on the people who are detransitioning, you'll find this to be true. A lot of times there's uh, molestation that's happening or it's just, uh, you know, one a parent responded better to one of the genders than the other, so then the other decided they wanted to be that gender because they thought I have a better relationship with my parents. Whatever it is, there's some emotional um, hurt, some uh, emotional need that's saying, well, if I'm, if I'm this, then if, if I come this, it's going to fix it. But it doesn't fix it because that's not truth. That's not how God designed them. And so what this person needs, what the people in our lives who are going through this, your friends, your family, your coworkers, your coworkers' kids, what they need to know is there is a God who created them. He created them just like they were born. And he has a purpose for them. And he wants to give them the life that they, that they want. He wants to give them and meet their needs. He wants to heal the emotional pain that they're going through. They need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Once they have that relationship, their sins are forgiven. God's Holy Spirit's in them. They have God in their life. 
He can begin to heal them. And as they spend time in God's Word and they find out more about who He is, Romans 12.2 tells us that He will renew our minds. He'll renew the way we think, our perceptions, the way we feel, order them the way He wants them, and that will transform their lives. That is the responsibility of each and every one of us in this room who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. That's why God has us on this earth. And if you want to experience what God offers, then we have to pursue God. Pursue Him and to know what it is He's called us to be. So what does God say a man is? What does God say a woman is? Now, to do this, we've got to go back to Genesis chapter 2, which we were last week. We're not going to I'm not going to read it again. You can go back and listen to last week's message. It's 10, uh, 10 verses. But let me just give you a summary. First of all, we're not sure why God created man first and then from man created a woman. We don't know why. He doesn't tell us. But he did. It wasn't some ploy from people who are you know, toxic masculinity type people who are trying to oppress women. It's not that. It was God's plan. But creating woman from man illustrates the oneness that they're to have in accomplishing God's purpose, especially when it comes to marriage. We'll talk about that next week. Also, their oneness would help them and helps us understand better the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God is one, but three, blow your mind kind of concept. We don't quite understand it. But especially in marriage, as we become one with our spouse... And as we come together in oneness in Christ, we begin to understand better how that can actually function. But for our purposes, the fact that God gave Adam, Eve was not created yet. Adam was hanging out in the garden. God said, hey, this is, your, this is what I'm giving you to manage. And he said to Adam, hey, you need to cultivate, which that word in the Hebrew, as we talked about, it means to serve. It also was used in the Old Testament to mean to worship God, like the priests would do in the temple. And so he said, man, and therefore it kind of carries all the way through till today, man, I've given you what you have, and you are to manage it. You are to cultivate and to keep it, to protect it. You are to do that the way I tell you to do that, and all your needs will be met. But he was giving that command to the man, which means it's the man's responsibility to share that information with the woman that he took from him, took out of him. It was his responsibility to move that command along, to help Eve, and then, of course, his kids, and all the way on, to do it God's way. He was the one who's leading it. See, men being spiritual leaders has been modeled throughout all of the Bible. There is a massive list here, and I, I could add a number eight, which is that God had men write the Bible. But it's that God, though he's spirit, he expresses himself in male pronouns. Now, there'll be someone who says, well, you're not interpreting it right, and blah, 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 and he's, you know, he, I, there was a church, there was a domination that I was actually a part of where they uh, worshiped the female expression of God, um, and so we left that uh, denomination. But God expresses himself in male pronouns. If you study scripture correctly, look at the Hebrew, look at the the Greek, they're using the male pronouns. God held Adam responsible for the sin in the world. In Romans 5.12 it tells us that. Well, Eve is the one who took the food, uh, the natives, right? But no, because God gave Adam the command, Adam was responsible. He failed 
to protect. The Old Testament, God chose men to lead and held them responsible. God the Son came as a man, Jesus Christ. And then Jesus Christ chose men to train and start his church. Now, if there was ever a time in history where God would change how he's had things, it would be when Jesus Christ came. Because Jesus was already turning society on its ear. This would be the time to do it. But he doesn't. He chooses 12 men. And then the Holy Spirit tells Paul and Peter that men are to lead spiritually in their homes. And he tells Paul and Peter that spiritually qualified men, not every man, but spiritually qualified men, are to lead in his church. See, we can't get away from the fact that men are to be spiritual leaders in your home, in your church, in society. And men, you and I will answer to God one of these days for how well we have led spiritually. There will be a day of reckoning. I don't know about you, but that's scary. That makes me a little nervous. God says that men are responsible to lead. Men, you are responsible to cultivate. That means worship God through managing what He's given you and protect it. That's your responsibility. That's what God has called you to do. If you are a spiritual follower... If you are spiritually apathetic, that means you are disobeying God, and that is sin. Setting yourself at odds with God. Again, not a very fun place to be. But see, sadly, there are men who don't, they'll say, Well, I don't know how to lead spiritually. Well, learn. You've learned everything else in your life. Whatever is important to you, you'll learn. I wanted to be like my dad. And so I learned how to do trim work and carpentry and all that kind of stuff because I wanted to be like my dad. I, he, actually, he didn't teach me. I had to watch him. And that's how I learned. Others will be basically they're just too lazy. They're, they're too selfish. They think they know better. Ah, God doesn't really mean that. This isn't something that I need to be doing. They'll pursue work over God and family. They'll pursue their toys, They'll pursue their video games, their sports, their hobbies, women, partying, whatever it is that um, people who you think are important, your coworkers, the buddies you hung out with when you were growing up, your neighbors who you look up to, your family members who don't know the Lord that you look up to, whatever they say is a man, that's what you'll pursue. But I'm telling you, when you stand before God, that won't stand. Because God has called us men to be spiritual leaders. I'm going to take you through three passages of Scripture. Not very long, and I'll try to keep it short. But God is speaking to Joshua in the Old Testament. He's taking over, leading Israel. A nation now of about possibly two, three, four million people. He's a young guy, younger in terms back then. 
And God says to him, Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to your fathers to give them. In other words, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Why? Because I've promised you some things. Men, God has promised you and me some things. If we are willing to be spiritual leaders, do you know what those promises are? He goes on, only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right. Don't go that direction because you think you should go that direction. Don't go to the left. Think you should go to the left. Stay on track so you may have success wherever you go. You want to have success as a man? Be strong and courageous. Do life God's way. And then for a third, actually, he goes on. I didn't get to the third time yet. So this book of the law, meaning God's word, the Bible, shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on... Does, Does he really mean that? Is God really saying, men, sacrifice some time in your life and meditate on my word? You have to know it first. Once you know it, then meditate on it day and night. Does God really mean, men, that you and I are supposed to waste our time thinking about what God has to say about what life should be? That's crazy. Move on. I don't want to start preaching. So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. In other words, obey God. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have success. And then, the third time, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Why can you be strong and courageous? Why should you be a spiritual leader? Because then God's going to be with you. Wherever you go, whatever you do, whatever you have to stand up against, God will be there with you. In other words, if you're not willing to do that, God won't be with you. Then King David talked to his son Solomon. We just got done with a series going through looking at King David. He says, as David's time drew near, he charged Solomon, his son, saying, I'm going the way of all the earth. In other words, he's, I'm dying. Be strong, there's that word again, therefore, and show yourself a man. Well, what is a man in God's eyes? He says, to keep charge of the Lord your God, to walk in or live life his way, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his ordinances, his testimonies. You get it? Everything in the Bible. Obey God according to what is written in the law of Moses. Now, why do we do this? That you may succeed in all that you do and wherever you, you turn. Well, you may be thinking, well, that was the Old Testament, so things have changed in the New Testament all the way up to today because technically we're still in the New Testament times in that sense. But no, God has Paul tell us, be on the alert, just like Adam was, to cultivate and guard, stand firm in the faith, in other words, trust God with what he said to do, act like men, be strong, all that you do be done in love. We are to love God and we are to love others. Loving God, love, that word, is to look out for God's best no matter what it might cost us. There will be sacrifices that we make as men in order to know who God is. It typically takes our time. It typically takes us putting away some of the hobbies. I'm not saying they're bad things. I'm just saying if we do those more than, what, than spending time with God, then maybe there's something wrong there. And we're supposed to love others. We're supposed to meet the needs of others. And it's going to cost us something to do that. Real men know and obey and apply God's word. 
Real men love God. They trust His promises. They sacrifice what they need to sacrifice in order to know Him and know His promises. Real men love others. They look out for the needs of others in their home, in their church, and in society. Real men walk with and encourage other men. Titus 2, we didn't read it, but it's in there. You can read it for yourself. Real men are strong, are courageous, and they go up against the tide of society. And let me just say this. I praise God for the men of our church who are spiritual leaders. We have men in this church who will stand against the tide of society, who in their homes are leading their families well. In, in our church, they're leading us well. In their workplace, they're going in and are making an impact for Jesus Christ. And I thank God for them. But I also pray for the men of our church who are not doing that. And, and you, can, you can look at my phone. I got Every day I'm praying for at least 18 people in our church or ministries. Excuse me, ministries. I've done this two other times. <clears throat> and I pray for you guys. Because you're missing out. You think the world has something for you? Look at the lives of your friends who are not doing it God's way. You want that? You want their marriage? You want their alcoholism? You want their drug addiction? Do you want the abuse? Do you want the sadness? The desperation? Do it God's way. Be strong. Be courageous. Step up. Be a man. Do what God's called you to do. Experience what God has for you. There's nothing like it. Women, what does God say about what a real woman is? In Genesis 2, God says that he created a woman from man. Not from the ground, but from man. And he says, he calls her a helper. Do you know how scary it is for me to use that term? Because I've been raised in the church. I know what a lot of Christian women think when they hear helper. Oh, oh you got, I'm not a helper. You're not going to put a man over me. I'm just as good as my husband. I'm just as good as any man. I could do whatever a man wants me to do. I can, I can do it. That's not what that word means. You are equal. We've talked about this last week. You are equal to, your, to the man. You just got a different purpose. The man spiritually leads. You spiritually encourage Women, do you realize the power of your words, the power of your responses to anybody in your life, whether it's a man or a woman, the power you have, that with your words and your responses, you can encourage other people who are discouraged, who are hurting, who need to know that God is there for them, and you're going to be showing them that first and foremost. Do you know how easy it is for you to crush other people with your words, with your responses? As it is with a man, it is with a woman. This is not a game. This is real life. We've got people in society around us, people in our lives who are being crushed by society, and we have the answer. And what are we doing with it? We're playing the games that they're playing. Listen, I, God's given me, Kim, my wife, and over the years, we've been married for 31 years, and there are times where I just wanted to be, I just wanted to quit. I was done. I've done ministry for a long time. I've, I've actually gotten out of ministry because I was done with it. Christian people are jerks. Man, she was there. 
She gave me God's truth. Yeah, there was uh, the hugs and the kisses, and I'm, you know, here, I'm here for you. But there's also, hey, 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 whoa. We need to get back to what you've always said, Harold, that we're supposed to be doing this, so where, why aren't you doing it? She said it respectfully, but it was firm. I have daughters, grown daughters, who have done that for me, who sat me down and said, hey, Dad, you, you've taught this all these years. What are you doing? And they've been willing to give me God's truth. There are women in my life, all through my life, my mom, my sister-in-laws, the ladies at my church growing up, ladies here who are encouragers. Women, you have to compassionately speak God's truth and that's your greatest power. Don't let the world tell you anything else. There's a couple of passages that we're going to look at the first one we're not going to actually read. It's the book. It's uh, the story about Ruth in the Old Testament. And Ruth, she she was known as a woman of excellence by her husband because she was not a Jewish person, but she had married a Jewish guy. He had passed away, so she was stuck in another country with her mother-in-law, who was Jewish. And so they were to go back to Israel. Why? Because uh, Naomi was a, a God-fearing woman, and and uh, Ruth wanted to be a God-fearing woman, and so she went with them. But for them to go back. Back then, if there was not a man in their life, they were basically destitute. They had to scrounge in the fields. But because of their godly wisdom, their willingness to trust God, they used those social and legal, uh, legally appropriate steps to get Boaz's attention. And Boaz then got, you know, got, or Ruth got his attention, and he married her. And he says, you are a woman of excellence. She was known as a woman of excellence. They did it God's way. It encouraged his heart. In fact, it's kind of a funny thing. He's like, thank you so much for not going after the young men. Because he's kind of an older guy. And so he's kind of excited about that. Which, you know, good for him. Then there's a Proverbs 31 woman. You got that? It says this, strength and dignity are her clothing. She smiles at the future. I love this one. She is so confident who God is and what God does. Whatever's coming down her pike, she doesn't care. No fear in her eyes. No worry. No discouragement. No discontentment. She's good to go. God's got it. She opens her mouth with wisdom. And the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She is kind no matter what the circumstances. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain. She knows that the, the physical, the outside, is not really what does it when it comes to spiritual things. But a woman who fears the Lord, who respects God and shows it by obeying God, she shall be praised, most importantly, by God. And then in the New Testament, God says this, Women, your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair and wearing gold jewelry or putting on dresses, in other words, you know, care about the outside. And we all, amen here, right? <laughs> you know, men and women, you should be worrying about personal hygiene. You should be, you know, looking fairly appropriate when you come, you know. But that's not where it lies. That's not the most important thing. What is? But let, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle, which means to have calm confidence and quiet spirit, not to be loud, not to be obnoxious, which is precious in the sight of God. Women who are strong, who are wise, who are kind, 
who are praised by God because they're serving others. Women who are not listening to society and acting all brash and all like there's some sort of you know, toxic masculinity in women. There's a lady driving around in her, well, I'll say it's a Jeep, but then you've got to figure out which one it is. But across her windshield, it says something to the effect of, uh, I don't know, I, I got stuck by the fact that it says B-I-T-C-H, but it was like if she was promoting the fact that she is one and that the world should be glad that she's one. That's not what God wants, women. Not for you. Not for, for you who are going to go out into the world for God's purpose to make an impact in the lives of people who, like her, are hurting. God wants you to be calm. He wants you to be confident. He wants you to express this peaceful spirit because you know God. You know who He is. And I praise God for the women in our church who are spiritually encouraging people, that they know who God is, they are confident in who God is, and they are encouraging others with that truth. And I pray for you women who are not doing that. I pray because you're missing out on what God has for you. You think the world, in the way they say to do life, is going to give you some sort of satisfaction, and it's not. Just look at the women in your life who think they know better than God. Look at the destroyed marriages. Look at the addictions. Look at the, just a messed up world that they live in. God wants more for you, ladies. You have God's message to give to those people. And you're just doing it just like they are. You're not giving any kind of hope. Next week and a week after, we're going to look at what a, spiritually, or what a spiritual leader, how that impacts marriage and family, what a spiritual encourager impacts marriage and family. But for now, we've got some takeaways, and I need to get rolling here. I apologize for my length. First of all, for all of us, men and women, be all in for God. Listen, society is all in for what they're doing. And if you're going to be half cocked on this, if you're going to go in half-hearted, you're going to be crushed, just like everybody in society who is living this way is being crushed. Just look at the people around us. If you're like, nah, that's not going okay, you know, I guess close your eyes. We all need to be all in. We've got to show people that there is hope. That God hasn't left them, that he's willing to receive them in, to have a relationship with them, to forgive them of their sins, and then to begin healing them. And they can know the joy and the contentment that comes with knowing their creator. Men, you need to man up. You need to be strong and courageous. Courageous. You, you got to get to know God. You got to make the sacrifices in your life to do that. You got to get up earlier maybe than you want to. I want to sleep in. Don't sleep in. You got to give up the video games. Listen, I used to play video games. It nearly killed me. No, I'm serious. I had to go on high blood pressure medicine and everything. So, wow. Again, I'm not saying those things are, are wrong, but God comes first. Take, care, take the advantage of the opportunities. Be here Sunday mornings. God says to be here weekly. Be here Thursday nights for Bible study. We've got our men's leadership group starting up in January. Some of you guys who are regular attendants of our church, you got an email, so check your emails about that. If you're wondering what that is, come talk to me. We'll help you be the spiritual leader you need to be. 
But we need to represent Him. We need to live out our hope. Listen, men are all about representing something, right? They're walking around with their tats. They're walking around with their hats. And they got their jerseys on. No offense, guys. They have their sports teams that they like. They like the fact that they want everybody to know what's you know, on their trucks and their cars. You know, and I drive with Amsoil. Yeah. That's the only sticker I have on my truck. So, um. Okay, so evidently you guys are not car guys because you don't know what Amsoil is. But anyways... Boy, we're willing, we're willing, it's hard to say with a speech impediment, we are willing to represent everything and anything, but we're called to represent Christ. And ladies, you need to show the power of godly words and wisdom. You need to get to know God. You need to be here. God commands us. Did God really say to be here week in and week out? Yes. You need to be here. You need to take advantage of the Bible studies. You need to know who God is. And then you need to be with other women who can encourage you and help you, and you can help them. You've got to show your heart for God through your obedience. And you need to encourage others in your life who are struggling, who are hurting, who think that this society is what they're supposed to follow. Listen, society is crushing the people in our lives. And God's given us a responsibility those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, to bring that hope, hope of purpose, the hope of healing, and relationship with Him. That's our responsibility. Let's stand and we'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, again, thank you for your word. And Lord, this, this is not easy stuff. Lord, I know in my own life, there's days where I have to confess the fact that I didn't spend the time with you that I needed to, and I didn't respond to Kim the way I needed to, or I didn't didn't lead like I should. Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. But Lord, also just empower all of us men. Use these words today to, to motivate our men to be truly spiritual leaders. And for the women, Lord, that they too would be the spiritual encouragers that they need to be. That they would use words of life, words of encouragement. And that we would see people in our lives who don't know you, who are hurting be drawn to us so that we can draw them to you. We'll give you the praise and the glory in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for your patience this morning. Have a great rest of the day and happy Thanksgiving.